Welcome to episode 263 of the Bevan James Hour Show, your fitness behavior podcast. Radio team, welcome along to episode 263 of the Bevan James Oz Show. You may be wondering, what am I doing here with a traditional podcast? So about three months ago, I said I was no longer going to be doing my, my fortnightly podcast. And since then, I've just been releasing audio version of the video that I put on my socials and send out to my database every week. And that's still going to be the case most of the time, but there will be the odd occasion where I'm going to jump in with a podcast. And actually next week, I've actually got an interview for you. So there will be the odd occasion where I come in and just do more of the traditional podcast. And today, I'm basically just going to chuck in, on my triathlon podcast last week, we had a guest arranged to do the interview, and she had to pull out in the last minute. And just the way the show had coordinated, it meant that uh, John, the guy who I, I do the show with, also couldn't make the show. So I just had to kind of talk about something for about 15 to 20 minutes to fill a gap. And I got so much feedback on the bit that I did. And so I kind of thought, well, it seems people seem to really enjoy what I talked about in that podcast. I would release it as an episode of this. So that's what today is going to be. It's basically me, I called it Bevan going deep on how to get more out of uh, your team and out of yourself. So I'm not going to muck around. I'm going to put that on right now and uh, you can have a listen to my thoughts on that topic. Hey team, so unfortunately the lady that we were going to be doing the interview with had to pull out last minute for some reason or another, and so we couldn't get that interview done for today's show. We'll get her back on in a few weeks and we'll be talking about that kind of support psychology stuff with her. Um, but also, John and I pre-recorded all this last week, and John was unable to do the show today to well to make up for this interview. So I thought to kind of get the full hour out in the show, I'd do a bit of a segment on things that Bevan's been thinking about uh, and this may be a bit bitsy but I hope that it can add a lot of value maybe in your triathlon stuff but also just in some life stuff as well and one thing I want to talk about in particular is I was listening to an interview with the New Zealand Breakers coach so most of you guys won't, wouldn't even heard of the New Zealand Breakers they are a basketball team in the Australian Basketball League, but the New Zealand team within the Basketball League. And historically, they've actually been one of New Zealand's most successful teams that have gone to Australia. Because what tends to happen, so for example, we have the New Zealand Warriors, which you may have heard us talk about on the show in the past. They play in the Australian Rugby League competition. We've got the Wellington Phoenix. They play in the football competition and so on. And traditionally... Our New Zealand teams haven't done that well when they've gone into the Australian sports competition. Uh, no, like for example, the Warriors have never won the NRL and the Phoenix have never won the soccer competition in Australia. And the Breakers have won it. About 10 years ago, I think they had won it three times in a row. They may have even won it more than that. But in the last few years, it's been a real struggling time for the Breakers because uh, 
players, they had ownership change, then there was lots of changes in players, and then um, COVID was really hard because unfortunately for all sporting teams that were New Zealand based in COVID, they had to basically go live in Australia, and the breakers just really struggled. To be honest, all New Zealand sporting teams really struggled through that period, and the breakers were a good example of that, so much so that last year they got last in the competition and I, they fired their coach and then they introduced a new coach and unfortunately I, I can't even remember his name but he took over the team at the beginning of this year and currently they are in the finals so it's two in the finals I think the final game is either tonight or tomorrow night Wednesday New Zealand time based on when we're recording this um, and so they've got a chance of winning the whole championship and this was a team that got dead last last year so something really massive has changed and this coach is a coach that seems to be quite revolutionary he seems to be um quite like he's the kind of coach that won't last much longer in this league because you can see him one day having an NBA career as a coach now there's probably a few more steps in his pathway to get there but I love I love exploring high level coaches and I remember recently when my book came out I, got an, I did an interview with one of New Zealand's top podcasts and they kind of, as a part of their interview, they had the fun questions that you chuck on at the end. It's kind of like what John and I do, you know, what's your fastest marathon? But one of the questions was, who were three famous New Zealanders or three New Zealanders that you'd want to go out for dinner with? And I don't really tend to like those questions because for me, it's, I suppose it would be people that I would want to go out for dinner with, but it's, you know, like it's... Often, yeah, often when you meet people who are maybe your heroes, they can be a bit of a disappointment. And sometimes it's nice just to have someone in a box where they just sit in that place in your life. But the, the kind of person, and so I really struggled with the question. Then when the interview came around, the lady's name was Brody. Brody Kane, she's quite a popular New Zealand kind of celebrity slash figure. Um, on the show, when she finally asked me, it kind of came into my mind that the two people I'd love to go out to lunch with is Scott Robinson and Nolene Torea. And Scott Robinson is the Crusaders rugby coach. Uh, the guy is an absolute winner. Like, he's every team he's coached has won. So he started, he was an All Black himself. He wasn't a great All Black. I think he played like 20 games for the All Blacks. A pretty good Crusaders player, but he wasn't someone who had an iconic sport rugby career. But he was, you know, like if, you get, if you're an All Black, you're a great player. But he wasn't, you wouldn't think he'd go on to become the greatest player of all time. And the thing about Scott, or the greatest, one of the greatest coaches within New Zealand's domestic rugby and super rugby world. And the thing about Scott Robinson, he's, he's a real big personality. Um, he seems like a, quite a fun character and probably goes against the troops of most New Zealand sporting coaches. And so, but he's an absolute winner. Uh, he took over the Canterbury rugby team and they weren't winning at that stage, and they ended up winning successfully. He took over the New Zealand under-21s team, they won. He took over the Crusaders, which is kind of the next level from the Canterbury rugby team, and they pretty much won every championship he's ever coached. Like, he'd be the most winning coach within the sport of Super Rugby, and it's looking like he'll be the next all-black coach. And there's just something about Scott Robinson that can get high performance out of people. And he seems to do it in a really powerful way. And then we've got Nolan Tarua, who is the New Zealand netball team coach. And Nolan Tarua is this lady who, the New Zealand netball team went through a period where 
it was actually just embarrassing. Like traditionally in the sport of netball, uh, New Zealand, it's kind of been New Zealand and Australia have dominated historically. Australia has definitely been the number one team, but we've had our moments in the sun as well. And uh, in the last period of time, and like when I say last period of time, kind of the last 10 years, the, the English have become very good at netball as well. So it's kind of like three teams. But there was a point about five or six years ago where we we were actually just horrific. And um, like we lost to Malawi, I think it was. We, we, we basically got like sixth in the world, which really was not good enough. Like we, we were a much better team than that. And so uh, at that time, Nolene Torua took over the netball team and she took over them with like maybe a year to go before the next World Cup. And within a year, they won the World Cup. Now to me, I love you know, that's the kind of person I want to go out for lunch with. Because I love people that know how to get the best out of people. Like, that's the kind of person I'm attracted to. I, I love people who achieve big things, don't get me wrong. And, and I love, you know, there's musicians and so on that I love. But the ability to bring something higher level out of somebody, and even more so out of a culture and a group of people, is to me one of the most powerful life skills that anyone can have. And very luckily when I was younger, I was doing a public talk and I got to have dinner with the All Black coach who won the World Cup twice. Uh, Graham Hill, or did he win it twice? I think Graham Hill won it twice. Yeah, and so, um, or maybe he did, maybe he won it once. But anyway, I, I got to have dinner with him and it was I loved it because I learned so much insight about how you deal with high level people. Now going back to the Breakers, I was listening to an interview with the coach of the Breakers who's taken them from being in a really bad place, basically last in the competition, to being one game away from winning the competition within 12 months. And I really love this interview because he kind of said, they were kind of curious around what creates a great team. And he came up with a few statements which I thought were really powerful. And, and I want us to really expand this out when we think about in... Uh, triathlon in your triathlon community in general. Now, for some people, your community, you may not even have a triathlon community. Your experience of the sport might be a real solo experience. Like, I know there's a lot of athletes who all their trainings on the wind trainer, running by themselves, maybe swimming in a squad, but you know, like, really, you may not have a community. But community can be just the people you train with. So, that the solo experience is an experience within our sport. But then we can also have, you know, the small group of people you train with. Then we can have triathlon clubs or triathlon businesses and stuff like that that are really a bigger community. And I always love to think about what's the bit that you bring to your community. And I've got to be fair, I'm not like John. John's been a leader of his triathlon community, his business, uh, the Canterbury Triathlon Club. But like if John Newsom wasn't around, the club would need a pretty strong person to come in because he's a real driver of the club. And when I was in the sport, I wasn't necessarily involved in that side of things because I was just busy in other areas. But I do think it's really important to think about who am I within my community. And when I was listening to this interview, these key points he talked about, it made me think about when I'm trying to build community. Because one thing I do in my world is I build communities. I've got my running business, I've got my gym classes. You know, a lot of my world is me being a leader, trying to get the best out of people in environments that capture these things. And I'm a bit like John with the triathlon club in my world, in that I'm a leader who's trying to create a culture. Now, you might be like John and I and be a leader within your community. 
or you might just be a participant in your community. But one thing I think is really important is what kind of participant am I in my community? And the ultimate participant is someone who makes everyone else in my community get to better levels. Like, that's the thing I think we need to be thinking about. And it can be simple things like, you know, what's the presence that you bring when you're around your community? And it might just be when you go on a group ride, or it might be when you are having those social occasions. But what's the presence that you bring? What's the way you communicate with the people in your world within your community? Is it empowering? Is it, is it discovery? Is it, you know, these types of things. But going back to the Breakers coach, so they asked him, what does it take to build a great team? And the first thing he said was luck. Now, it's a bit different for a coaching environment, but, you know, like for a sporting environment where you're paying for people to be on your team, obviously there's always going to be a component of luck. The second thing which he said, which I really liked, he said, people on the team have to absolutely love the game. They've got to love the game. Like for him, in his sport, he's... You know, these, these players have to love basketball. And actually, interestingly, I was listening in rugby league. I love my rugby league. And last week, there's a guy called Reese Walsh, who's kind of one of the up-and-coming rugby league players right now. And he played his first game for the Brisbane Broncos last weekend. And absolute blinder. Like, everyone's talking about being, you know, the future legend of the sport. Now, that's big pressure for one game. But, uh, and I was listening to an interview with his coach, and his coach said, the thing about Reese was, he just loves the game. You know, like he's always talking to the legends. He's always learning about their experiences. He's always looking for insight. He's got a guy in his team called Adam Reynolds, who's like the, the kind of the wise soul of his team. He spends all his time with Adam Reynolds. And he's always just, because he loves the game. And when you think about your community, that's what we want to be thinking about, isn't it? Like, you don't just want to surround yourself with people who do the movement. You want to surround yourself with people who love the triathlon game. And I'm going to be honest, this is one of the reasons I loved Epic Camp so much. Like, the Epic Camp experience when I was doing it was, you know, killing yourself as an athlete. Like, you know, blitzing yourself day in, day out for weeks, you know, for 10 to 13 days. But one of the highlights was was sitting down and hearing the stories of these triathletes, and he was like the Melina. Melina is one of the greatest storytellers of all time, and you, you know, it would, there'd be these like fireside chats of Melina, and Melina, Melina would be telling you stories about the sport and the history of the sport and some of the iconic races. And then I remember like Louis Decepi, um, he he been in the sport since the 80s, and he was still like to this day he's still he's a lifetime lover of the sport. And when you did Epic Camp, you had these people who were trying to challenge themselves to the highest level, but just loved the sport. And so when you think about your culture, are you surrounding yourself with people who just love the sport? Like you know they can't wait to talk about what happened in Kona last year. You know when you're in that culture. There's a massive thing that comes alongside that. One thing this this coach said, um, I think his name is Modi, I think it is. Um, actually, I should Google search that. I'm going to Google search that for a second. I'm going to pause, I'm going to come back, because I've got to get his name right. I'm back. It is Modi Moore. So his name is Modi Moore. So the second thing he said is, in choosing a team, we have to choose a team of people who still have something to prove. We still have something to prove. Now, this is in... But it's actually probably quite relevant to a triathlon community as well, isn't it? Because what he was saying is he doesn't want players who are at the last part of their career just trying to tick the box to make some money. 
You know, he wants players who are coming along and still have something to prove. And it's really important because when you still have something to prove, you're willing to fight a little bit harder, aren't you? And think back to the interview we did with, um, I can't remember who it was. Uh, we did, maybe it was last week. And she, uh, I'm, I'm going to pause again because I think this is important to get the name right. It was Carrie Lester. So the interview we had with Carrie Lester last week, and she was saying how when that last race she did, and she just didn't have the fight anymore. She just didn't have the motivation to push hard anymore. And ultimately, I think what she was saying was she had nothing to prove in that race. And when we think about the environments we're in, and this is the thing I often think, as much as I'm no longer a triathlete, I'm really proud of the moment I quit. Because I think if I'd stayed in a sport, I wouldn't have been doing it because I had anything to prove anymore. I think I just would have been doing it because it's the thing I knew in my life. And don't get me wrong, if you're that person who's in that place, right, there's nothing wrong with that. But in my life, I was doing so much exercise anyway, triathlon was another thing on top of that. But I think there are people in the sport who are getting slower and slower over time, aren't actually challenging themselves anymore, aren't actually, you know, are getting slowly slacker. And what I mean by this is they're slowly letting slackness become a part of their sport. They might miss sessions, they might you know, not show the same level of commitment in the past. They might still be doing enough, but they're getting slightly slicker as time goes by. And when we think about the environments we're trying to surround ourselves in, do you want to be hanging out with that person? Because that person will influence you. Like I remember years ago, I read a study and they were talking about the influence of negative in group environments. And what they did is they, what they did was really fascinating. What they did is they deliberately planted a person in a meeting who was designed to make the meeting dysfunctional. And what they found, so they do things like the person, someone would be talking and this person would pull out their phone and start checking their phone. Or whenever I was standing up, they'd sit down. Or they'd just talk to someone else when something happened. So they're kind of designing these, these behaviours to be dysfunctional to the group. And what was really interesting in this study was, that, and they did it quite a few times, and basically that person influenced everyone else in the group. So if this person pulled out the phone, then someone else would pull out their phone. And then suddenly lots of people had their phone out. If this person sat down, then suddenly lots of people were sitting down. And this is often the influence of this slightly slowly slacking person is you know, on the day when it's a bit wet, they go, oh, I can't be bothered today. So then you think, oh, maybe I can't be bothered myself as well. But when you're hanging out with people who still have something to prove in the sport and really chasing it hard, they lift you up. And so when you think about those for some those people that you're surrounding yourself with, are you surrounding yourself with someone who still has something to prove and is still chasing a higher level? And are you that person for your people? Or are you that person who's becoming a slightly slacking or the slowly slacking person within the sport? Uh, the next thing he said is they need to be open to growing. And I think this is a really interesting thing for us to explore as athletes. Because I think sometimes we're open to growing in certain areas, but maybe not so much in other areas. And as a fault for me as an athlete, I was always excited by the hard work. You know, I was always, like, I loved, I love hard work. You know, the physical hard work of the sport. I was never that bothered by the science. You know, I couldn't be bothered studying the science of triathlon. Now, if I was open to growing, I would have spent more time to studying the science of triathlon. I would have, now at my time, Millie Powers meters were kind of just coming on board, but I would have done a lot more analysts of my my rate, my training and racing. I would have spent a lot more time on those things, but because I didn't really care about that area, I didn't grow in that area. 
And when we think about the triathlon experience, often a lot of people will spend a lot of time either growing in one area and maybe not growing in all areas. And you may be thinking about, no, 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 obviously I'm stereotyping right now because you might be growing in all areas and if you are, absolutely awesome. But a lot of us spend time growing a lot in one area. Like, oh, I would spend more and more time just focusing on how I can work harder. Whereas maybe I was better off to go, you know what, spend time on your, on your swim stroke. Like if I'd spent three hours a week for six weeks just analysing my swim stroke, they would be way better than me just doing lots of hard work. And I think the best example of, from this show that represents that for me was Greg Bennett. Uh, if you ever listened to an interview we did with Greg Bennett, I think we released it as a legend, but we would have put it on the show as well. And Greg Bennett, that interview was so inspirational for me because he talked about what it meant to be a pro athlete. And, you know, when I listened to Greg and I, and I contrasted it with my triathlon experience, and I was, a, I was a good local Ironman athlete. You know, I wasn't a rock star, but, you know, if you're around nine hours, you're a pretty decent athlete. Um, but there were many things I didn't do to help myself get to the next level. Now, admittedly, it wasn't my full-time job, and I didn't really see myself having an opportunity of making a massive career out of it. So I was in a different position to Greg Bennett. But when you listen to Greg Bennett, he did everything he did needed to be the best athlete. Everything. He invested money, time, resource, assessment, growth. Everything about his journey was, how do I grow as an athlete? And he could have been just some everyday athlete or some second-tier pro, but he actually had a very successful career as a pro. And to me, being open to growing isn't just to be open to growing in the areas that you're already strong, it's to be open to growing in all the areas that it takes to be a complete athlete. And if you're listening to this right now and you're not growing in many areas, why aren't you open to growing in their areas? Because often they can have the biggest impact. Again, if I think back to my swimming, I didn't do a lot of time focusing on swim technique. And although I'm very proud of how much I improved my swimming in my time, if I'd just done that work with my technique, I would have got way better, way faster. Next up, and I like this, they have to get along with their people. They have to be people who get along with people. And he talked about, I want people on my team who their friends like, who their family like, who who the team likes. Like, this is really important because we all know, like one of the things I think is really interesting, when you think about the stresses of life, when you think about the people in your life when they're talking about the stress that they're under, often those stresses are other people. Like, sure, sometimes it's work overload. Sure, sometimes it's, it's a big life thing, like maybe a death or thing like that. But when you think about it, a lot of people's stress in life is often other people in their life. It might be work colleagues. It might be family members. It might be um, friends that are kind of just frustrate you. But it also can be people in your communities. And so when you think about the people in your triathlon community, are you hanging out with people who are just good people? And also, what person are you in their community? And I think that's a really important thing to think about. Because ultimately, you want to be a good person in your community. And if everyone, if you are hanging around with a good group of people in your community, it's going to be a much better experience for all people involved. So there's, there's kind of two parts of this. is Who are the people that are in your community? Um, and who are you within your community? And, and I've got to be honest, I'm a big believer if, if there's crap people in your community, um, now sometimes you can't remove yourself, sometimes there will be an aspect of it, 
but spend as little time as them as much as possible. Like one thing, I'm a big person, a big thing in my life is, if you're a crap person in my life, you just aren't in my life. Like, why would I waste my time? And now I'm lucky I've got a very autonomous life, I can make that choice. And I get it that some people don't always get that option. But as much as you can, get rid of the crap and keep the good people in your life. Um, one thing one thing he said is they always maintain standards. And I, one thing he talked about, which I really liked, is that there are these forces that are always there designed to drop your standards. There are forces that are always there that are designed to make you drop your standards. And what a cool statement that is. Because we can think about that in our own personal way. Like One of the biggest forces that makes us drop our standards is fatigue. Let's be honest. A lot of people will even not hit objectives or miss training sessions because they're tired. It's a force that's stopping you from maintaining the standards. Like if, if a good athlete's standard is, is to, to adhere to a program and consistently do it and hit the objectives of the program, what's going to stop you? And, and your standards, I always hit my program. Then what would work against that? But then there's other things that work against the standards. And I'll give you a really good example from my life. So um, I was at the gym the other day, and and, and I'm, I'm an older instructor in my gym, and I'm often a mentor or a leader to younger instructors, and I love mentoring the young instructors and try to teach them the right lessons. And I've been mentoring an instructor for a while now, and she's progressed amazingly. And what's been really cool about her progress is the area where I mentored her in was an area where maybe I thought she'd never get there. Like she was a very skilled instructor, very um, good coach, but not necessarily very good at fun and connecting people, which is a really important part of a fitness experience. And when I first started working with her, because she was quite a serious soul and, and, and deeply intelligent. So her classes were really good on, on a kind of like a practical sense, but they were missing that component of connection and fun. And this instructor... Man, she's taken on every bit of feedback I've given her, and now is actually a bit of a rock star in this area. Like now, like you would have never thought this person struggled in this area. It's really comfortable and really strong. And a couple of weeks ago, and, and also she's doing really well within her career, so she's kind of getting leadership positions. So now she's becoming a bit of a, a, a she gets to present the next level opportunities. She's getting some instructors that she's starting to mentor herself. And recently I walked into the staff room, and a few of the staff members were being a bit catty, were actually just being quite critical of another instructor. And um, it was kind of, what's the word I'm looking for, kind of gossipy, um, kind of, you know, just a little being a bit negative about someone else. And um, they asked me what I thought, and I just said, yeah, I, I think this person's nice. And and someone said, the thing about you, Bevan, is you never shit on anyone. And the, the instructor that I'd been mentoring had been shitting on this other instructor. Now, my job as a leader is to maintain the standards of what it means to be a part of our team. And what it means to be a part of our team is that if we have a problem with someone, you talk to the person if above you as in a manager or you address it with the person yourself. You don't talk behind the person's back. And it's really important within a culture because I'm really proud of the gym culture in Christchurch because our culture is... It's actually a really supportive in culture, and so I was, I was quite shocked because I you don't normally hear that kind of conversation within our culture. And after I didn't pull the, my my the instructor that I've been mentoring up in the moment, but I did pull her up later on. I said, "You're becoming a leader. 
And being a leader means there's standards we need to maintain. And those standards mean that if we have a problem with someone, we address it, or we go to management to address that problem. But we're not the people who start gossip. But if anything, we maybe challenge gossip in those moments. Now, for me in my environment, to be a leader means I have to fight for the standards. And if I just come into that room and heard them gossiping and, you know, and and, and in some ways I'm an instructor that a lot of these instructors look up to, if I just added to the gossip as well and agreed, what's that telling them? That's a force against standards. And so one thing we need to understand when we think about standards is that there's always going to be forces working against it. And a part of our role is learning to navigate them, navigate them, but also to, to understand when we're a leader. So again, let's just go back to your triathlon community. If someone's talking about someone else behind their back in a really negative way, Actually, this happened to me. I remember this happened to me when I was younger. I've got a guy who has always um, invest, mentored me a little bit with property investing. Real, one of, real nice guy. Brilliant thinker. Generous. Um, and I remember one time I was actually being critical of a real estate agent. And he just goes, oh, I, I just, you know, I, he just goes, I, I always, what he said to me, he just said, I don't like to say bad things about people. If I've got a problem, I'll just address it with them. And, and and I'm not I'm not I'm not that person. Like admittedly, I have this saying that I have every morning. If I don't have something good to say, don't say anything at all. And in that moment, I was just a bit weak in that moment around that statement. And and and, and he didn't pull me. He didn't say. He, didn't, he just he just said, "Hey, here's my standard." And it made me self reflect. It made me feel a bit crap because I was being a bit of a gossip, um, and I was saying bad things about somebody else behind their back. And and he, he didn't tell me off. He just said, "Hey, I, I I don't really do that." And it's a really it was a really nice way just to say, "Hey." This is a standard that I maintain. And I just think that when we think about standards, there's many different types of standards. There's the training standards. There's the culture standards. There's the um, how we treat people standards. These types of things are something, there's always forces working against it. But when we're in, a, in an environment, it's part of our job to maintain the standards and maybe even evolve the standards. So... I've kind of talked for 30 minutes here. Hopefully there's been value in this for you. But just to recap what Coach Modi was saying, first of all, um, luck does take a part of the piece. Uh, we need to surround us with people, surround ourselves with people who love the game, people who have something still to prove in the game, that are open to growing in all ways, that are good at getting along with people and maintain and fight for the forces that work against the standards that help us be the highest levels. Right, hopefully you got something out of that. Hopefully there's something deep in there for you, because that's how I roll. Uh, I, you know, obviously we don't, we don't have this weekly catch up or fortnightly catch up anymore. So hopefully life is treating you well, and you're continuing to grow in all things that are important to you. Uh, if you do want to support me in everything I do, one way is to recommend my book. I will make you passionate about exercise at passionaboutexercise.com. One thing I've been doing a lot of recently is a lot of public speaking. If you're somebody who is looking to organize some kind of conference or some kind of talking, um, I've been giving really good feedback on my talks as well, which is really cool. So if you want to check out my, or if you want to get in contact for me to do a public talk for your business or your organization, go to bevanjamesisles.com. And other than that, I'll be back. I'm actually going to be back in another longer version of the show next week because I've got an interview coming up for you. But then I'll go back to my little short clips that I release weekly and occasionally shows like this as well. Anyway, keep being you as always and keep doing the yards.